Are you satisfied? The Rolling Stones couldn't get any. So is a life of satisfaction possible even if you struggle with issues like mental illness or addiction? Our guest today, author and coach Amy Simpson, shares about how to embrace the unsatisfied life no matter your circumstance. Oh, and listen through the episode to get a chance to win a free copy of Amy's new book, Blessed Are the Unsatisfied. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Welcome to episode 66 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. Each week, we bring you interviews designed to inspire you to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Yeah, we believe when couples grow together, they grow together. So we talk with incredible experts about topics like health and fitness, finances, parenting, sex, career, and spiritual growth. Sprinkled in, we'll connect with amazing couples who share their story of overcoming ordinary to build a legendary marriage. Yeah, we learned early on that marriage is best when we're in it together and that nothing makes that happen more than by talking about the things that matter to us. So today we're talking about satisfaction. And I got to say, it's been a little tough for me. Me too. I mean, I want to be content in any kind of situation. And that's just my character. That's just who I am. And you're always aiming for the next goal. I'm not sure contentment and satisfaction are the same thing. Um, I like think, I think, I think about financially. We've gone through some serious seasons of challenge, and we're still not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Or fertility journey. We spent nine years trying to have kids, and there were many points in there where we could have just gone, "Okay, well, that's enough. We'll, well, we should be content or satisfied there." I think, I think the p- important part that you pointed out there is the journey part of it. Yes. And looking back, of course, I wouldn't wish that journey on anybody. Um, much less ourselves, <laughs> but the, the blessings and the learnings that we got from the journey, um, I feel like are extremely satisfying. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. All right. Episode done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We've got a great conversation lined up for you about just satisfaction and the journey that it is and in the middle of it. Is it even possible? And can you live an unsatisfied life? Um, So our guest today, Amy Simpson, is author, speaker, and life and leadership coach, and she's deeply committed to seeing purposeful people make the most out of their gifts and opportunities. She's the author of award-winning books such as Troubled Minds, Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry, and her newest book is hot off the presses. Woohoo! Blessed are the unsatisfied, which we'll talk about today. So let's get right to it. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here with you today. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So I know that you're a sister just like me that loves to do her traveling. So tell (laughs) me, any interesting adventures lately? Um, actually, yeah, I, my, so my family is on, um, uh, like a seven year plan to see the entire continental United States before our oldest er, is out of the house and hopefully the whole U S before our youngest graduates from high school. So we've been, we're on, we just completed year six of our seven year plan. Okay. So what was the best spot? What was the best stop? 
Yeah. So each member of our family would answer that question differently. For me, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, actually my favorite place was Yosemite National Park, but that feels a little bit predictable. So I'll throw, I'll also throw in um, another place I really loved and that was Monterey, California. So shout out to Monterey, beautiful place and awesome weather. Wish I could have spent more time there. Oh my gosh. Amy, do you know that Justin and I used to be full-time RVers? I didn't. No. Yeah. Okay. So this is right up your alley. The trip that you're talking about. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes. We're, yes. Do it. Now you said you have two teenage girls. Now uh-huh. I have two little girls. So <laughs> any advice, like what's the challenge you're facing with two teenagers that I can, you know, look forward to here? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I would, I will say this. I actually love being a mom of teenagers. And it's, it's really fun. Um, it's a fun age for me. Um, so it's not all bad and not everybody, you know, has a bad experience with parenting teenagers. It can be great. Um, one of the things that I, that I always did when my kids were more like probably the ages that yours are when they were behaving in a certain way, or maybe misbehaving or disobeying, and I was tempted to let it slide because it's was easier (laughs) because they're young. It's not a big deal. You know, I would always tack on 10 years in my mind and ask myself the question, am I going to be okay with this at that age? And if the answer was no, then I would tell myself, then I can't be okay with it now. I would challenge myself to engage with it now because I figure, hey, I'd rather address this at five than at 15. <laughs> so wow. actually, you, I'm really glad I did that. Skip a beat there when you said tack 10 on my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's going to be 13. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel like our listeners really need to hear that. So you are an author, like we had mentioned. Tell mm-hmm. us about your new book. You've got one coming out this month. Yeah. So it's, um, it's called Blessed Are the Unsatisfied, Finding Spiritual Freedom in an Imperfect World. And basically, you know, this book is, it's a bit confrontational in some ways because it kind of confronts, um, not, not my readers, <laughs> but um, a bit of something that's out there in our Christian culture that we hear all the time. Um, it's a very common belief among Christians. And I really challenge it in the book. And, and that belief is the world won't satisfy us, but Jesus will. And as long as we're in relationship with, with Christ, as long as we know God, we have all that we need and we, are com- we can be completely satisfied and, you know, we don't need anything else. And f- if you feel unsatisfied by your life when you have Christ in it, then there's something wrong with you, something that needs to be fixed in you. And so I'm challenging that whole set of beliefs in there because I actually don't believe that's true. I, I don't believe that our lives with Christ on this planet can be completely satisfying. And it's not because Christ is not enough. It's because we are not enough. It's because the life that we can live right now, here and now, it is full of barriers between us and God. You know, we live on, in a world that's been cursed by sin and its effects. So it's important for us to recognize that and to recognize we won't achieve that full, complete, satisfying life in Christ here and now. And to acknowledge that just because we have Christ in our life doesn't mean we don't need anything else or anyone else. Um, so I, want, I really want to kind of set people free from what that mindset tends to do to people and help people recognize actually a much more healthy, sustainable, and accurate way to live 
is to acknowledge that our lives are to some degree unsatisfying and we are unsatisfied people. And that's actually, that's the way God wants us for now. He wants us to be hungry and thirsty for him. So I'm encouraging people to recognize there are blessings that come along with embracing the unsatisfied life and pursuing that instead. The belief that you you can be satisfied as long as you have Jesus, it just sounds like one of those cliches that just keeps shame on you. Yes. And it's like people think that that's in the Bible or saying, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, those quotes that kind of sound like they should be in the Bible, but they're really not. Yeah. Like God helps those who help themselves or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think this is doing more damage than it is doing good. But the truth is people do want to be satisfied in this life, whether it's attainable or not. For your readers that you have for your book, what are they looking for in this life as far as satisfaction? What would a satisfied life look like? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I think we tend to look for satisfaction in a few ways. And and you're right, everybody, I think everybody is looking to be satisfied in life, even if it's not achievable, or if it's not realistic, it's very natural for us to do that. So most, and I think most people have a natural inclination to look in two places, either to their own appetites, or to consumerism. You know, we try to set And when I talk about appetites, I'm talking about things like we try to satisfy our appetite for love or for power or our physical hunger, our physical thirst. Um, Maybe it's an appetite for sex and other forms of pleasure, an appetite for sleep. There are these um, natural appetites that we all have that are healthy and just they come with the territory of being human. And so when we feel unsatisfied in some way, it's really natural to turn to these appetites and think, well, if I just had more of that, I'd be satisfied. And then there's consumerism, which kind of feeds on those natural appetites, but it also warps and enlarges them for the sake of, often for the sake of someone else's profit. And, you know, we live in an extremely consumeristic culture. We're so used to it. I think most people don't even recognize just how consumeristic we are. But experts estimate that Americans on average are exposed to 4,000 to 10,000 marketing messages every day. Often without realizing it, we expend a lot of energy on either tuning them out or internalizing those messages. And, you know, they constantly are trying to create in us a sense of urgency for things we don't need and maybe don't even want. So um, when we want to feel more satisfied, it's no surprise that we often think like consumers and focus on something to acquire, you know, so if I just had that. But for many Christians, I think there's another way we look to be satisfied. And, you know, as I mentioned, most of us are seeking satisfaction, at least to some degree, I think, in our relationship with Christ. And we often approach him as if he's the answer to both our natural appetites and our consumeristic desires. So we take those tendencies that we have to turn to our appetites and try to satisfy them or to turn to consumerism and try to get more stuff. And rather than ask Christ to transform our desires, we expect him to either take them away or to make um, or morph himself into the solution that we're wanting. We approach him as either a product or a solution, but God is neither of those things. And that's part of the problem here. You know, when we seek to be satisfied through our relationship with him, we're often approaching him just the same way that we would approach a product or you know, an experience or something that we think is going to meet our natural appetites. That's not who God is in our lives. 
a lot of people in life feel unsatisfied and, you know, they are Christians and they love Jesus. So how would they approach their faith in a way that's not consumeristic and not based on their appetites? Yeah, great question. So, you know, basically it really starts with approaching God on God's terms, recognizing God is God. He is not, he does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. So even just that basic mindset is a great place to start. And we often get lost with that. All of us do. You know, we start, we start start to fall into the thinking that God is somehow here to grant wishes for us or something. So that's a beginning point, I think. And I think it's also just important to acknowledge how these things that we can experience in this life do fall short. So, but we still have great things in our lives. It's, this is not cause for despair at all. So we can pursue a fulfilling life. But it's important to recognize it's not going to be perfect. It's not as if we're going to reach a point where everything is just falling into place all the time and we don't have this nagging sense of frustration anymore. You know, we're still going to experience those things, but we can pursue a life that is fulfilling for us, letting that fault be in its proper place. You know, we can still enjoy good things in life, just not make them into, you know, the ultimate goal of our lives. I hear you saying like, 100% satisfaction is just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, although we may want it, it's not going to happen. So maybe our expectation could be like 90% satisfaction (laughs) or something like that. What could people hope for at like a 90% satisfaction? Yeah. And actually, I'm going to address your question indirectly by saying, Really, what this is part of the issue. What I think people should be hoping for as Christians, and what's a much more productive way to hope for, is for what comes after this life. So, you know, the the cool thing is, I said this earlier, the reason we can't achieve full satisfaction in this life is not because God is somehow not up to the challenge, you know, or he's going to, he's falling short. That's not it. He won't fall short. He will come through in every way that we are dreaming of and far more, far greater types of satisfaction than we can even imagine right now or long for. So I think that's another important thing is to, is to switch our focus from what we can have now to what we, what we have coming later. And it begins to change our perspective on what we can achieve now. So the question about what we can achieve now in terms of satisfaction is really an individual question because for some people, maybe they can achieve a life that is 90% satisfying. And for other people, you know, I work a lot with people who have some kind of mental health problem, mental health challenge that's part of their life. And it might be their own, or it might be that of someone they love. Um, And that is part of my experience as well. And that's where my passion around this, this particular topic comes from. But that's just one example of, you know, the kind of experience you might have in your life that catches you off guard, it may interrupt the trajectory of your life. And while your life is still just as meaningful, just as purposeful, just as as important as anybody else's, you may feel less satisfied by your life if you're living with, for example, bipolar disorder or, um, you know, serious form of depression or something like that uh, becomes a chronic issue in your life. It becomes a chronic impediment to your sense of satisfaction where your neighbor, you know, who doesn't experience that kind of issue may seem like everything's going right with them, but there may be something else in their life that interferes with their satisfaction too. So I think that's a very much an individual thing as far as what we can all expect. But 
even if a person were to achieve everything they're hoping for in this life and find the most fulfilling um, life they can, our world is full of stories of people who, who actually achieved that, who actually got to that point and realized it wasn't enough. You bring up people that are battling mental illness or friends and family that are supporting them. Can people that experience mental illness expect less satisfaction? That's a great question. I think it depends on your expectations. And and that's a really important piece of that interplay with satisfaction. If you expect this in life and you get this, there's going to be a big satisfaction gap here. But if you expect this and you achieve this, um, your gap is smaller. So, you know, it kind of depends on a person's expectations. And I think often if somebody's experiencing a mental health problem, there is an automatic adjustment of expectation that that happens in a person's life or that needs to happen because some of the things they expected of themselves or of their loved one uh, may not now be possible. But it is possible to find a whole new type of satisfaction in life. We'll get back to our conversation with Amy Simpson in just a minute, but we wanted to take a moment to tell you about an opportunity we don't want you to miss. Community is so essential to our marriages, not only community with other couples, but men with their men folk and women with their women folk. Um, And couples really come together. Why? To support, encourage, and call one another forth. We just learn so much from each other. So join our community on Facebook where we're always talking about the topics from the podcast and so much more. So join our tribe of couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You can find us at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the second half of our conversation with Amy Simpson. So for example, you know, in my own life, I mentioned, you know, this is part of my experience. My mom actually has schizophrenia. She, She suffers from very serious form of mental illness. This has been a huge part of my life, um, both when I was growing up and since then as an adult, it continues to have a huge impact on on me, on my family, um, on my siblings, and obviously on my parents. My expectations for what life can and should be have been altered by that experience. However, that experience of you know, living with my mom's schizophrenia has transformed my view of God. It has given me a whole different experience of faith, and it has become a ministry for me. So while I wouldn't have chosen this for my mom and for my family, this has been the point at which I have most experienced God's grace, His ministry to me, and His healing in my life. So I can find a level of satisfaction in my life through that experience that I would not have if I hadn't gone through it. But it does change my expectations for what my life can and should be. And if I were still hanging on to what I thought my life should be before I realized what reality was, I would be constantly frustrated by how this is, you know, how this impedes my ability to get to that vision for myself. But if I make those adaptations... It opens up new avenues for meaning and purpose in our lives. Yeah, I was going to say for our listeners that have someone close to them that has a mental illness, where are places they can look for extra blessing or hope or just kind of that light where it's really dark all the time? Yeah, 
And again, this is good. This is going to be really general because, you know, this is different for different people. And, and I talk with people, I travel around the country. I speak on this topic. I meet people all the time who tell me their stories and I know everybody's experience is unique. Although I will say there's a lot that we have in common too. And people are often feel alone when they're, they're actually really not alone in their experience. But you know, in general, I think a couple of things. One is, you know, these places where we experience deep pain, deep sorrow, deep disappointment can also be places where if we invite God into that experience, he can reveal himself in ways that we otherwise would not experience. People who have walked through these deep valleys are often the people who are most intimate with Christ, who've had their lives really transformed by him. And nobody wants to be that person in a way, because it's a very painful experience to go through. But at the same time, we're all attracted to those people. I'll bet you're a person you know who's been through deep sorrow and who's been softened and transformed and deepened by that in a way that is very attractive other people. That comes through suffering. So there are ways that that suffering will transform our lives that is no fun, but really can give us a, a deeper understanding and walk with Christ. Another thing is, I personally believe that when I get to heaven, I'm just picturing a, like a special section up front or something right next to the throne for the for people who have suffered so excruciatingly through mental illness, mental anguish in this life. I really think their level of suffering, their depth of suffering is going to open them to a level of rejoicing and joy that maybe the rest of us won't experience. You know, maybe the rest of us won't feel. So I do feel like there there are good things to come when that burden is lifted. Um, And there is hope beyond this life. But there's hope for now, too. And and one of those sources of hope is that God really is in the business of redemption. He loves to take our most painful moments and turn them into opportunities for ministry to other people, opportunities for us to grow and change. And sometimes we don't really know how God is using what we've been through, but sometimes we get to see it. We get to see he takes our story and makes us into a person who's a safe person for someone else to come to, for example. Takes up, makes us into people who are great at listening to other people's pain because we're comfortable with it because of we've been there ourselves. You know, there are lots of opportunities for us to be in ministry to other people because of what we've been through. And that's just as true for, you know, those who've walked through really difficult mental illness as it is for anybody else. I hear you saying that these are some blessings that they're wonderful, but they're probably the blessings that nobody wanted. Yeah, <laughs> to begin with, or nobody signed up for, um, but it can transform your lives in amazing ways. In marriage, we have these expectations and we want 100% satisfaction. And then we find out maybe our spouse is dealing with depression or bipolar. How do you deal with those unmet expectations, specifically in marriage, when a mental illness is involved? Yeah, I think this is one, this can be one of the most difficult experiences or effects that mental illness can have, the way it affects relationships. And, you know, I have the experience of growing up with a parent with severe mental illness, but my dad, the experience of being married to the same person. And I I know from um, watching the way my parents have lived with this and from talking to so many people who have this experience, 
this can be devastating. It can be absolutely devastating and it can destroy marriages. And I, I think one of the things that needs to happen is that, again, expectations come into play, but so do so does understanding what each partner is really brings into the marriage. Sometimes when a situation like this comes up, people have to revisit, okay, what can I and will I actually expect from my partner? And what can I and will I expect from myself? And it might look completely different from what they expected when they came into the marriage. So they might have thought, you know, I'm going to fill this role and my partner's going to fill this role. And suddenly I'm in a place where my partner can't fill all, all of that role that I was um, anticipating and I have to pick up some of that. But maybe there's some of what I was planning to do that he or she can do. So sometimes it's about like revisiting our expectations. Sometimes it's also about recognizing that the person with the identified illness is probably not the only, is definitely not the only one who needs help and probably not the only one who needs to get healthier. When you have a, a relationship that's affected by mental illness, it's not just one person. And this is the same as it is with addiction, any form of substance abuse, or with just serious emotional baggage or bad habits that are present. That is never an issue with just one person. You bring that into the relationship, it is an issue in the relationship. And in some cases, it's the relationship itself can actually help keep the person from getting better. So it's important for the spouse to recognize they have a role to play here too, not just in being a caretaker, not just in adjusting their expectations, but in personal growth, in receiving help for themselves and getting healthier themselves so that the relationship will be healthier and that relationship will encourage their partner to be healthier and to do what it takes to care for themselves. It's, people don't often recognize that immediately, I think. It's more commonly talked about when in matters of, again, substance abuse. So it's very common, you know, the term codependent is now kind of a common part of our language around that. But the same dynamic is often present when we're talking about mental health issues as well. And so it's important for people to recognize the whole relationship and everybody in it needs support and needs to grow, needs to get healthier. And that's the case with families too. If there are more, if there's more than just a couple involved, the whole family needs that. What could a healthy couple look like, even if there's mental illness, even if there's addiction, even if they're just unsatisfied in general? Like, what does it look like to? get to a healthy couple kind of place. This is true, actually, when none of that is present too. <laughs> when you have, you know, so to speak, healthy people who don't have any of these really obvious problems that are interfering with their relationship, they still have baggage. <laughs> you know, everybody's got stuff they bring to the relationship that um, that can compromise the, the health of it. So really, in all cases, it really means working on your own stuff, being open and honest with your partner, being together in it, and fighting for a healthier marriage. Anybody who refuses to look at their own stuff, anybody who refuses to grow or to get help or to seek treatment or to follow a treatment plan is compromising the health of their marriage. You cannot have a truly healthy marriage if somebody is denying their problems or refusing to do what it takes to be a healthy and functioning person. Now, if people are, I know lots of people who live in marriages that are affected by mental illness, you know, even things like bipolar disorder, severe depression, things that 
obsessive compulsive disorder, um, illnesses that are are very serious and have a huge impact on people's lives. And they have healthy, thriving marriages. And it's because they are healthy, thriving people. And you can be a healthy, thriving person with a mental health problem, just like you can be a healthy, thriving person with diabetes or you know, high blood pressure or a thyroid disorder. When you're receiving help for that, when you admit it, you acknowledge it, you humble yourself and receive the, the help you need and you stick with that plan, you take responsibility for managing your own health, essentially you are taking responsibility for your part of managing the health of that marriage as well. So I think it really starts with the individuals and then you know they have to be in it together. I love what you're saying about just being an individual because obviously whatever you work on as an individual is going to affect your marriage because you're a married person. And I wonder, like, I don't think I would ever put this as a soundbite for the podcast, but like, let's embrace um, being unsatisfied in your marriage. Like, I don't know that I would ever, (laughs) like, that's probably something I would never come up with. But what would it look like if two people that are embracing being unsatisfied with the realization that they will not be 100% satisfied in this world. Like what could a healthy, unsatisfied couple look like? <laughs> yeah, I love that question. So, it, and it is possible actually. And, and the, the funny thing about this is I, I have a habit of writing books that don't say things that people want to hear. So of course I have, I write the book with the soundbite that nobody wants to, you know, actually use because it's not the kind of thing that people want to sign up for. But the funny thing about it is it just is, it just is reality. You know, we are not going to be utterly and completely satisfied by our lives. We absolutely are not going to be utterly and completely satisfied by our marriages. Every marriage is made up of two who are desperately imperfect and at best in process and growing. You know, you can't put two people like that together and have something that is error-free or flaw-free. So, I mean, it's just not gonna happen. So we can fight against that or we can accept it and recognize we can, okay, what's the best way for us to live within this, this reality? And I say, the best place to start is to say, my life is no longer about the pursuit of satisfaction because I now recognize that as a futile pursuit. My life has to be about something else. And so when we take that out of front and center as the goal for our lives, we can replace it with something else. Acknowledge and accept that we are not satisfied and we are not demanding more. One of the things I do in my book is draw a distinction between dissatisfaction and unsatisfaction. So I say, you know, being dissatisfied means I'm not satisfied and I'm expecting to receive satisfaction. I'm expecting satisfaction and I'm not getting it. And you're probably pretty unhappy about that. That's dissatisfaction. Being intentionally unsatisfied means acknowledging and accepting that you're not satisfied and not demanding more. It means choosing to live in peace, contentment, and patience with your unsatisfied state and with your hunger and thirst that's ongoing. And it's not because you've given up on satisfaction. It's because your hope is in the full satisfaction that's to come beyond this life. So it's really an act of faith and hope. And I think when people do that within the context of their marriages, they can take that goal of being completely satisfied, set it aside. And now, okay, now I accept 
I'm not going to be completely satisfied. So what is this marriage going to be about? It's going to be about something else. It's going to be about, what is it going to be about? It's going to be about living meaningful lives together because we're not fully satisfied. doesn't mean we can't live a meaningful and purposeful life. What is our purpose as a couple? Let's live with that front and center. You know, what is our, what are our goals for our family? What kind of couple or family do we want to be? What's the impact we want to make on the world? Let's do that. Recognizing it won't be completely satisfying. It won't be everything that we ultimately need it to be. We're headed there. We're headed in that direction. That's to come. In the meantime, we live in a way that moves us toward that. Wonderful, Amy. Well, thanks for joining us today on the podcast and um, good luck with your new book. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right, if you loved this conversation with Amy Simpson as much as we did, then hit up her website, amysimpson.com. You'll find out more about her, her books, and her coaching offerings. You'll find the links for her website and social media in the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 066. Also, check out Amy's Facebook page where she's giving away five copies of her brand new book, Blessed Are the Unsatisfied. So to enter the drawing, all you have to do is comment on the post about this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast and tag one of your friends to share the wealth. I feel like sometimes we're just aiming at different goals where I'm focused on one thing, you're focused on another thing. Satisfaction for you might be something like a six-figure income. Satisfaction for me might be doing my crazy squat workout and being able to walk the next day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just feel like we're totally on different levels and different topics maybe even, but um, satisfaction will look different for you than it would for me. So I'm just wondering, what does it look like together? How could we get on the same page? Well, we talk it out. Like this is what we learned early on is we talk things out and get on the same page and grow together. Even if we're growing in different ways, we can be growing together towards the same kind of common goal of becoming better people. So this is why we challenge you listeners each week to talk about the show with your spouse. Because frankly, Netflix and chill is not enough to build a great marriage. Even though we love Netflix. Absolutely. (laughs) We just get caught up in the uh, day-to-day business of life and, you know, we can kind of end up feeling alone in it. So talk to each other. It's the key to rekindling romance, having more fun and adventure together. Today's challenge is knowing that you will never be completely satisfied or perfect on this side of heaven. Talk with your spouse about what you think God wants you to achieve individually and as a couple in this life. It's a big question but a fun a fun conversation worth having. So next week, we are getting back to the basics with Pastor Scott Kadersha of Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. So whether you've been married for a while or you're new to this marriage game, this conversation will bring you back to the basics of every married couple needs to know. Let's listen into a bit of our conversation with Scott Kadersha. So most guys think marriage is going to be like one big sexual escapade Right, like we're gonna do, we're we're gonna have sex in every room of the house, on the chandelier, on the back porch, in the car, and probably like nine or ten times a day. And, and then she's not she's not opposed to sex, but for her, it's a little bit more. Hey, we're gonna have conversations all day long. We're gonna sit on the couch. We're gonna go for long walks every night. We're gonna, we're gonna do everything together. We're gonna do devotions together. 
This is a phenomenal conversation, and we touch on things like putting your spouse first, being humble, and learning new things together. We'll get into all that next week. You won't want to miss it. As always, we're talking about the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes over at legendarymarriage.com slash 066. Finally, we want to help more couples have the conversations that matter. So if you love the show... Then let us know. Jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.